Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we uh, start and sort of pick up again a new series we started last week called From Nothing to Something. So this is just the second week in. Now, the idea from this, uh, for this series is from 1 Peter 2.10, where Peter sort of uh, says, you know, once we were not a people and now we are the people of God. And I get that idea from that, that, you know, we've gone from nothing to something. And um, that amazing stuff has happened and continues to happen on this journey. And so we're going to take some time and look uh, at some passages of Scripture from the first two chapters of First Peter. And uh, we'll talk about some of the things that have moved us from nothing to something. And we started last week by talking about living hope. That we have this hope that's alive, that's, that, you know, is powerful to change uh, the way that we live life and the way that we relate to God and others. And, and that uh, it's not like a worldly hope. You know, I think I, I defined worldly hope last week when I said, I hope the Dolphins win the Super Bowl. Uh, but I didn't, even when I said it, I didn't even expect them to win that day, and they didn't. <laughs> uh, they did exactly what I expected them to do. But, but uh, that, see, that's how we use the word hope. But biblical hope is based on the promises that because God has done what he said he was going to do in the past, he'll continue to do them uh, into the time when he comes back to get us. And this living hope that Peter talks about is, is just that hope then, you know, changing the way that we go through life because we know that we have a God who's with us and for us in the process. So uh, today I want to talk about greatly rejoicing and what that means. So living hope is sort of the foundation of this this from nothing to something and brings us into Christ. And now we're going to talk about how the life starts and that it's, uh, we're going to talk about greatly rejoicing. That's the intro. Transition, always a bad joke or two. This is really bad. The past, present, and future walk into a bar. It was tense. Two dragons walk into a bar. First one says, it sure is hot in here. His friend snaps back, shut your mouth. Is that better than the first one? Huh. Screwdriver rolls into a bar. The bartender says, hey, we have a drink named after you. The screwdriver says, you got a drink named Philip? Scripture reading here on purpose. I might have to get rid of some of those tomorrow. I don't know. First Peter 1, 3 through 7. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Verse 6 that I just read to you, it says, in this you greatly rejoice. Now, uh, Peter is referring back to the verses right above it, and, and uh, 
He's talking about what we talked about last week, our new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. And he's also talking about what comes with that, this inheritance that will never perish or fade that's kept in heaven for us. So, so in those verses, we have this promise of a great future. But Peter tells us we can also greatly rejoice because he's with us now. And even as we live this life in a fallen world on a broken planet, God is with us and for us. And that's really important on this journey to get that as we journey from nothing to something. So verses 3 to 5, the point in those verses uh, is that the inheritance uh, that's, that's out there waiting for us, eternity, is unper- imperishable and unfading. And, and that we're being kept for it. So that no matter what we go through here... Um, we, we can always know that no matter what we're going through, we can look beyond that to the future that's coming at us. Um, and somehow everything is going to be worth it all. But in verses 6 and 7, he sort of says, but not only that, not only do you have this amazing future promised to you, this living hope in Christ uh, because of the resurrection uh, and all that that means for us, um, the things that we go through here now in this fallen world, this broken planet, God somehow uses um, to get us ready to enjoy the inheritance to its fullest possible measure. There's something about knowing that God uses everything that's taking place and he works them together for us. Uh, And so when we sort of get a hold of that, even when we're going through difficulties here, uh, we can know that God's going to use them somehow and that even in the difficult times, we can have a sense of joy. Now, I said to you, this, this joy of the Lord, you know, it's different than sort of a fake put-on joy. It's this deep settledness in God, knowing that He's with you and for you, and, and that you can count on Him and trust in Him no matter what's happening. Somehow He's working these things together in our lives. And so this walk that we have, this journey from nothing to something in Him, we have this amazing future that, that we have to look forward to, And we have God with us now in the midst of the things that we deal with until we get there with him. And and that God's purpose for your life is always greater than the problems and the situations that you have in life. But what I want to do today is just take a few minutes to talk about a very well-known verse in the Bible that sort of falls right in line with verses 6 and 7. And this verse is, uh, you probably all know this verse, it's Romans 8, 28. And the Apostle Paul wrote it, and it says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So the reality is, throughout our lives, we're going to be dealing with situations. Um, This is part of life here in a fallen world on a broken planet. Uh, It's pretty much a constant series of situations difficult circumstances and problems. I, I hate to, you know, stand up here and tell you that's the way it works, but this side of heaven, we're always going to have stuff going on that's, uh, that just can be a bit of a hassle or a lot of a hassle and everything in between. Little distractions, little irritations to great big problems and great big difficulties and um, things that we would rather not have to go through, and yet this side of heaven, those things are part of the deal. And, and I, I know that most of you get that. But this verse is amazing. This is Romans 8, 28. So I want to break it down 
with you and talk about it a little bit and why it's such a helpful verse. So let's just kind of break it down into, into four little chunks. Let's start with this. Point number one, we know. We know. Romans 8, 28, it starts off, and we know. We know. That, that means, it says we know that God, you know, causes all things to work together for good. We know. That means we don't wish that he would. We don't imagine it. We don't desire it. We don't guess about it. We know that God uses everything in our lives and that he's with us and for us now. We have an absolute confidence. This, this ties in with the living hope that we talked about uh, last week because we know that he's been faithful. He will continue to be faithful in our lives. We're certain. We know for a fact that, that God will work all things together for good in our lives if we give them to him. So we know it for certain. It's important that we, had, that we go after it like that, that God uses everything. It doesn't mean that we don't go through things. Sometimes people get that sort of thought at some point in time, well, you know, now that I'm in, I don't ever, I'm never going to have any issues, and that's just not how it works. Uh, issues are coming. But what happens is we know that God is with us and for us in this process. We know it for certain, so we don't, we, you know, that's why I always tell you about that verse, you know, that I prayed. I was praying it earlier today. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. When we know that he's working in our lives and he's going to see us through things and he's going to help us no matter what the situation, um, at some level we, we can knock down the anxiety that we sometimes um, deal with. Because we know God's, God's with us. He's for us. Second point. That in all things God. I wanted to stop it right there. That in all things God. Romans eight twenty eight says just that second part of that verse, and we know that in all things God. Didn't get the second part up there? Anyway, there you go. That's the part I wanted, that in all things God. So God is in control. We need to know that about him. He's in control. When, when something happens, it, it doesn't catch God off guard. He's not pacing the throne room of heaven going, wow, I didn't see that happening. Didn't see that one coming. That's, that's not what's going on. God is always in control. But that doesn't mean that the bad things that happen are God's will. And this is where a lot of people kind of struggle with this. Bad things that are taking place in the world around us are the result of the consequences of sin. So all the mess is because we've all chosen to go our own way and do our own thing. That's, that's why this, everything's a mess. <clears throat> I talk to people sometimes and when they find out who I am and things that I do, uh, I hear a lot of stuff. And I will hear from people sometimes, you know, well, I don't believe in God and here's why. And they, they tell me all sorts of reasons. One of the reasons they'll tell me sometimes is well, I can't believe in a God who has all, all these bad things, lets all these bad things happen in the world. All over the place bad things are happening. And I, I try and be kind with that and be careful how I answer it. But, but I try and get back to this situation. When God created everything, it was all what? Very good. In fact, when you read it, every day it's good, it's good, it's good. And then when he makes us the last day and he looks at everything, he goes, very good. Everything was very good. It was, everything was very good. There were no issues, no problems. Perfect. What happened next? Our ancestors sinned and messed up the entire deal. And you could, you could 
you know, it's all their fault. The problem is, ever since then, all of us have sinned as well. So you, it's very hard to point fingers. Everybody here in the room's done the same thing. We've all done things we shouldn't have done. Every single one of us has gone off the path at some point. So the reality is that all of the mess that's in the world isn't God's fault at all. It's our fault. We chose to do things we shouldn't, and the consequences of those choices have messed everything up. Everything. And, and if... And then people go, well, why wouldn't God not... Why would He even allow that to happen? He gave us the opportunity to choose because He wants people... He wants people ultimately that choose to love Him. If there was no option... You, you wouldn't really know. You know, he wanted people. He created people to love and worship him, and they gave him a choice. This is how it works. Back in the garden, it was pretty simple. Do everything but that. Don't go with that. And it, they, they went with that, and that messed everything up. Same, same sort of thing happened, and life is a big choice. We talk about that all the time. And so the big mess is on us. All of us have done stuff. Um, when we do stuff, sometimes when we've done something and there's a consequence, we kind of get that as, well, okay, I sort of get that. Um, the harder stuff to deal with is that when things happen to us that are consequences of somebody else's mess, that doesn't seem right, but it's just this big mess. And the enemy's twisted everything up, and, and because of what he did, it's this big mess. And we live in the midst of that big mess. And so we, we have to sometimes deal with things. But the amazing thing, though, even though every one of us has sinned and walked away from God, he still loves us so much. This, God loves us so much, and this is point number three, that he works for the good. He works for the good. He didn't mess things up. We did. Think about it. He made it perfect. Everything was very good. We had it very good. It was perfect. And we messed it up, and yet he loves us so much that he works for the good. It says that in Romans 8, 28, the next part of that verse. He works for the good. So because God is indeed God, he can take all the things in our life, good, bad, and he works them together for good. So I've got a couple of examples. I love these examples. You may have heard them from me before, but they're my favorites. I think about them all the time. First example is this, chocolate chip cookie. I like a chocolate chip cookie. I don't eat them much anymore because I don't have gluten, and so I have to, so it's not a big deal, and I try to stay away from cookies, but I do love a chocolate chip cookie. And um, you know when you make a chocolate chip cookie? Uh, the individual ingredients by themselves, not that tasty. By themselves, mm, like shortening by itself, not a big taste treat. Uh, cup of dry flour, not something a lot of people want to have. Raw eggs, unless you're like Rocky. I did that when I was a teenager, did the raw egg thing. Ugh. Baking soda by itself, not good. Salt all by itself, really not all that great. Uh, all, all the ingredients by themselves, really not that good, except for the little chips. Those are good. <laughs> but, but, so there's, but mostly stuff that's not that great mixed together with some stuff that is great, and then all of a sudden you get a, you get a cookie that's delicious. So, so this stuff seems to work together to produce a cookie. See, it's, it's really pretty good. It's just kind of like a chocolate chip cookie. God working together for good. It's kind of like a chocolate chip cookie. You take all these things that don't taste so good. Some of them are actually quite bitter. When you stir them up, and God makes them together. And in his plan, he produces a chocolate chip cookie. Pretty good deal. So those sort of things. So that's, that's how our life. There's elements in our life that aren't very fun. There's things that happen that could make us resentful. Um, some difficulties. We see people go through things or we go through things and they, they're hard and we, we don't care for it. They're hard to swallow. 
Um, so, so we have to deal with those things. But somehow together, God takes everything, and, and out of it, he, he works it together for good in the course of our life. So sometimes we don't get it. Well, how's that going to work together for good? Sometimes the, the hardest things that we go through, when he, when he brings us through them, um, the only thing I can think of is to what makes it make sense is that at that point in time, I can, I can help somebody else that goes through that thing. And then it sort of makes sense. Well, okay, I, I, got, I get that. Now I can help you do it. It somehow makes it make sense. But it's hard. The other thing I think about is like a big tapestry. Have you ever, like a needlepoint, um, when you look at a needlepoint on the finished side, it's really pretty, hopefully, <laughs> if it's done right. But the back side of it isn't. It's a big mess. It's all knots and a, and a big bunch of jumbles and everything. How, how can one side be, like, amazing and the other side such a mess? And then I, I think that's also a lot like what's happening with us. See, our life is kind of like a tapestry. And yet the good side is facing heavenward. And, and the mess is over here. And when God sees us, he's seeing us through all the neat stuff that's happening with all the mess. But, and sometimes we look up and we kind of see this big mess. But you need to know that he's looking at it from the other side. He's got the best angle because he knows what's taking place. And so that's a, that's a neat picture for me. It, it helps me like that. that we're, our life is a tapestry and God's building it. And, and it's facing heavenward, and we see the jumbled mess, but he sees the finished picture, and it's, it's really cool. And, and, and so, you know, and then I think, you know, one day we'll be on the other side of this, and we'll look back and see the tapestry, and we'll see the pretty side. Oh, that's what you were doing. That's what was going on. That's how you use that. That's amazing, God. So we have all that happening. So he works together for good. He said, well, how about, you know, evil? Can he bring good out of evil? And I would say, well, just how about the cross, the crucifixion? The enemy, you know, stirring everybody up to get Jesus to the cross, thinking that it was going to end everything. And, and, you know, everything that Jesus went through, none of that was good. And, and you know, the, the humiliation and the crown of thorns and the torture and the whips and everything. And yet somehow God brought good out of it. Because God is like that. Another, one of my examples, he, he brings good out of bad all the time. There's a, in Matthew 1, uh, first six verses, it's actually the genealogy. Uh, in Matthew 1. You, maybe you, you probably skip over this. But listen, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram. Ram the father of Medin, Aminadab. Aminadab the father of Nashon. Nashon the father of Salmon. Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David, and David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. That, that's self-explanatory, right? <laughs> I don't have to comment on that. So why did you read that, Steve? That's part of Jesus' family tree. From this lineage comes Jesus into the world. And just quickly, let me tell you about some of these people. Abraham... He did some great stuff and a lot of not-so-great stuff. He gave his wife away twice uh, because he thought he might be killed of her, killed because of her, because she was beautiful. He just handed her over twice, not just once, twice. Here you go, take her. Um, at one point, Abraham sleeps with Hagar and has Ishmael, and Ishmael instead of waiting for the promise in Isaac. Instead of waiting, he took matters and, and made a huge mess. Isaac... Same sort of thing. He's in there, good and bad. He gave his wife away one time, just like his father. Jacob's in there. He stole his brother Esau's blessing with deception. He was a deceiver. 
stole the blessing. And, and yet, ultimately, Jacob is Israel, and everything starts in him. Judah is in there. He sleeps with his daughter-in-law, Tamar, because he thought she was a prostitute. She got on the side of the road and pretended to be a prostitute because people weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And he thinks she's a prostitute and sleeps with her. In the process, the baby is part of the lineage. Rahab makes the list. She actually was a prostitute. Ruth makes a list. She wasn't even Jewish. David and Bathsheba are on the list, and they were a big mess. Uh, if you remember the story, in it, murder and adultery and cover-up and, and you name it. And, and all this stuff is going on, and, and does God bring good out of bed? Absolutely. Because out of that line comes Jesus, the Redeemer of the world. You think, wow, he uses messed up people. He does. And he works amazing things in their lives. He weaves the mistakes and the hurts into our lives. Last point. Of those who love him. See, this is the, the thing. This is the qualifier of this great truth. Romans 8, 28 says, of those who love him. It's, it's this promise and this, this hope and this, you know, foundation that we stand on is for people that are following Christ. Uh, it's not just a whole big thing out there, you know, for, for anybody. It's for those people who've come and given their life to Jesus and committed their lives to him. You've trusted Jesus with their life. So, what we have is that, see, as followers in Christ, the people who have come, and we talked about this last week, and who, who've, um, you know, believed and, and received and, and understood what God did for them at the cross and, and what that means, and they've confessed with their mouths that Jesus is Lord. Out of that comes these amazing promises that give us hope, and this is one of them, that allow us to rejoice in the midst of difficult things. God is with us. God is for us, and he's working all things together for good, and, and, and that we can trust him in the process. So think about that this week as you press on and as we'll continue on in this journey from uh, nothing to something next week as we continue on in First Peter chapter 1. But, uh, but we have living hope now and we have a life in which we greatly rejoice now and forever. And so those are some powerful sort of beginning steps on this journey. That's where I'm going to end it today. If you're watching my video, thanks for doing that. Uh, if you need prayer, go to the website. There's a prayer page there. We will pray for you. Come and visit us when you can. We would love to see you.